0: Our sermon text today will also be in Luke chapter 2. Um, we'll pick up right where Jason left off with verse 21. We'll go to verse 38. At the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for the purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit to the temple, and when the parents brought the Lord Jesus to to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for the glory of your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed." So I come from a family whose existence was centered around baseball. I played from age three or four up until, up until and through high school. And since baseball is played, the Major League Baseball games are played just about every single day, there is a baseball game in my house every single night from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. My dad grew up in Massachusetts, so naturally he was a Red Sox fan. And my mom grew up in Chicago, so she was naturally a Cubs fan. And if you know anything about baseball, the Red Sox and Cubs were really bad for a really, really long time. The Red Sox went 86 years without winning a World Series, from 1918 until 2004. The Cubs went even longer, 108 years, between the years 1908 and 2016. People joked that the Red Sox were cursed after they sold Babe Ruth to the Yankees, and people always called the Cubs the, quote, lovable losers. But eventually, and recently, both teams finally broke through and won a World Series. And after the World Series, people started selling these shirts. My dad wanted one, but they were marketed to people who were diehard fans, lifelong fans of these teams. Across them, either in Red Sox Red or Cubs Blue, it said, now I can die in peace. Because this thing that they had waited so long to see, things that they had longed for every single spring and summer and fall but had been denied them for decades and decades, almost a century, finally happened, and they got to witness it. So therefore, they could die in peace. Now, the birth of Christ is obviously infinitely more important than any team winning the World Series, but it also happened in a very similar season. The people of Israel were in a very dark time. It was a time that was defined by disappointment, but also destruction, death, oppression. The thing, the thing about Israel's history is that they had always been on a losing side. Things peaked around King David, but after King David reigned, everything went downhill. And death and destruction marked their lives for over a thousand years before Jesus. After King David reigned, they were, they descended into a civil war, the north versus the south and they weakened each other so much that they were easily conquered by the superpowers that were around them. And eventually they just became a pawn, being passed from empire to empire, and finally ending with Rome. The nation of Israel was a people that was hurting spiritually and politically as a whole. The only hope that these people had were a few little tiny Easter eggs that were hidden in their Bible that said at some point in time, the Lord himself was going to come and save them from their sin, and from their oppression. It was a faint light, but it was a light nonetheless. And it was a light that faithful people held on to and clung to. And then, one day, salvation finally came. One night it came, or rather, he came. In Bethlehem, a little virgin girl named Mary, who was betrothed to a man named Joseph, but did not know Joseph as her husband yet, gave birth to a son. She named that son the name that we know as Joshua, Yeshua in Hebrew, which simply means salvation. It's a name that we know as Jesus. But Mary and her husband Joseph did not think that this son was theirs, because it wasn't just theirs. The Holy Spirit's power descended upon Mary, and she conceived without knowing a man's touch. And now this son of God was born, and we celebrate that today on Christmas Eve. And rightly so. We think about the birth of Jesus. It's what's, recon- it's what's symbolized in our nativity scenes that you see in most churches when you drive by. It's the story that Linus recites in A Charlie Brown Christmas. But the thing is, this little baby that was born, that we re- remember today, was the newborn king but he was a king who came to a people, his very own people, who were hurting and just clinging on to the faintest of hopes. In our text tonight, we meet two of these people who are holding on to the sliver of hope that they had. They had been waiting their lifetime for the promises of God to come to fruition, and they finally did, and they both got to see see it. Their names were Simeon and Anna, And their stories are marked by pain and suffering and longing and waiting, but their stories end with seeing all the promises that they were waiting for fulfilled. Our passage picks up when Jesus was only 40 days old. He was circumcised on the eighth day, making him a full member of the people of Israel. And 33 days after that, when he was just over a month old, Mary... And her husband Joseph brought Jesus to the temple to be dedicated, as Luke says, to fulfill the law of Moses. And as they prepared to take the infant baby, Jesus, to the temple, the Holy Spirit came to a man named Simeon. Luke writes that Simeon was a righteous man and a devout man who was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Simeon knew the pain and the suffering that he and his people had gone through, basically for the entire nation's history, and he was waiting for that day where the Lord himself would come and comfort and give consolation to his people, physical and spiritual comfort. Passages like Isaiah 40 were constantly on his heart. The prophet says, comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare has ended, her iniquity is pardoned, and that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sin. Simeon was waiting for the day where he and his people were comforted by the Lord God. And the Lord God chose him specifically to say, You will see me comfort my people Israel with your very own eyes. You will not die before you see the Messiah. You will not die before you see the Christ. And now we can probably assume that Simeon was an old man. He knew that he didn't have many years left, and he was counting down the days until he finally got to see the Lord, but he also knew that he didn't have that many more days left. But one day, out of the blue, the Holy Spirit comes to Simeon and says, go. Today is the day you've been waiting for. Simeon leaves at once, and this old man gets to the temple, and all the hustle and bustle, Think about going to the mall right now, there's a lot of people there, and he's just sitting there and waiting and waiting and waiting. Then he sees this little 15, 16-year-old girl, who's a new mom, bringing her baby, and the Holy Spirit says, him. That's the Christ child. So Simeon approaches her, this new mom, And you know, it's kind of gutsy to go to a new mom and ask to hold her baby. But he goes, he asks, Can I hold your baby? Mary says, Sure. Simeon says, What's his name? Jesus. Salvation. And Simeon, knowing who he was going to see at the temple that day, realizes, You know what? It's a pretty good name for this baby. So he picks him up and he bursts out into song listen to what he says he says lord now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for the gentiles and for glory to your people israel he took salvation personified into his very own arms he knew that he was not holding just some mere 8 pound baby he was holding the savior of the world. And this baby, this fulfilled promise that he was holding in his hand did not disappoint him. He burst out into song, realizing that his mourning and the mourning of his kinsmen was coming to an end at the hands of this child. All the pain and all the suffering that he had ever witnessed was going to vanish. And When we think about Christmas, when we think about Christmas Eve, that is the joy that we get to share in. We get to share in the joy that Jesus Christ came in the flesh to save us from our sin. But on the other hand, holidays can be a little bit of a double-edged sword. You know, we think about Christmas being a time of joy, a time where family comes to visit, a time where we get to give and receive presents, a time where we get to eat a lot of food and a lot of cookies. But the truth is, the thought of the holidays does not always bring joy to people's hearts. Sometimes it brings stress, sometimes it brings anxiety. Even worse, it can bring depression and pain. Because if you think about all the presents that you have to buy, think about the people who love to give presents but don't have a whole lot in the bank account to actually afford them. That can cause some stress and anxiety. There are some people out there who, when they think about family descending upon them, it doesn't bring joy to their hearts. Because there are a lot of people with estranged and dysfunctional families. There are a lot of people who are mourning the loss of loved ones who won't be around this holiday season for the first time, for the fifth time. And yeah, all of us are, right, are here right now for Christmas Eve, but there are a lot of families that are spending Christmas Eve in a hospital room. That's not to guilt you. That's to let you know that pain is real. Pain is here. Pain is universal. But the thing is that this is the world that Jesus Christ came into. When you feel robbed of joy during the holiday season, you can feel just depressed. You can feel like something's wrong with you, like you're broken. You know, people say this is the most wonderful time of the year, but sometimes it's the most dreadful time of the year. But Jesus Christ came into a dreadful era in human history. He comes to us in the midst of our darkness, in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of our sin, of our wounds, but he turns them all on on their head. That's what happened to Simeon. Simeon. Simeon was old. He didn't have much. He just had the promise that he was going to one day see the Lord. There's another woman named Anna. And Luke spends a little bit of time just talking about how destitute her circumstances were. She was old. She was advanced in years. And after being married to her husband for seven years, he died. And she lived as a widow until she was 84. Now we talk about the Virgin Mary a lot during Christmas time, but Anna was a lot like Mary when she started out. She was probably 15 or 16 years old when she got married. And after seven years, call her 23 years old, she was widowed, her husband died. And the culture usually would have said that she would have remarried and got another husband and went on with her life, but she didn't for whatever reason, we're not told. But she lived for over 60 years alone. If she had any kids, after her husband died, they wouldn't have been old enough to take care of her. The oldest one would have been seven if he even existed. And the thing is, life for a widow was really hard back in the day. They had no one to provide for them. They relied on family, and we're not told if Anna had any family, but she was by herself. She spent her time at the temple. And yeah, she spent her time at the temple, but I don't think 60 years after being widowed, she ever got rid of that pain of knowing that her husband died. She knew pain. Seven years, there's a lot of memories that can be made in a seven-year-long marriage. I'm almost three in, and my wife and I have plenty of memories. But after seven years... She probably still was hurt. She was still hurting. She was still hurting around the holidays like Passover and Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah, all of these Jewish holidays that we hear about, because those were all centered on family. She had none. This woman was alone. She knew pain. She knew suffering. But she also knew the Lord who cared for her, who cares for the suffering, who commands his people to take care of the widows and the orphans so she spent her time at the temple getting whatever she could but she was also a woman that was faithful and devout to the Lord, she was called a prophetess which meant the Lord spoke directly to her and she spoke from the Lord directly to other people ministering to them she was zealous this was a woman of prayer she prayed and fasted and worshipped the Lord and she knew her Bible too So this one day, the same day that Simeon ended up at the temple holding the salvation of the world, Anna was there. She caught a whiff of what was going on. She heard Simeon praise the fact that this was the Christ. This was the salvation of the entire world. And Anna knew that this was the promise of God that was to come. So she started going around to everybody. Everybody who was waiting just like her and just like Simeon for the redemption of Israel. For a Savior to come and pull them out of their sin and darkness. And I think at that moment Anna didn't feel like a widow. She didn't feel like an 84-year-old. She was going around with childlike joy knowing that she had finally saw the Lord. But it wasn't just because she got caught up in the moment She knew that at that moment and every moment after that, salvation was there and salvation was coming. This was the Redeemer of Israel that they were all waiting for. But there's something about that word redemption that Anna uses. Redemption insinuates a transaction. Something has to get paid. This baby that she was looking at wasn't a great military leader, He wasn't a forceful or a violent man. He was going to come to pay a price. And the price he was going to pay was his very own blood. Look back at verse 34 with me if you have your Bible open to what Simeon says to Mary. He says, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. That's a strange thing to say over a new mom and her baby. But the thing is that this baby, the Redeemer of Israel, was not going to have a happy-go-lucky life. He is going to be a sign that is opposed. A sign that is nothing else but the very cross that he died on. Simeon even says that a sword will pierce Mary's soul because if you go into the Gospels, Mary witnesses her son dying on the cross herself. But this sign will expose the hearts of people and it will cause some to rise, some to fall. Those who oppose this sign will fall. Those who reject Christ will not enter his kingdom. They will not die in peace. But they will experience nothing but eternal shame and sadness and disappointment. But for those who look to the sign of this cross, this despised sign, and believe and put their faith in Christ, in the salvation that the Lord has provided for all people, the light of the revelation to the Gentiles so that we all may believe, they receive the promise that the Lord God gave that it would truly be salvation that they would receive. And I said this to the church a couple weeks ago, and I'll say it again. Christmas means absolutely nothing without Easter. The manger means nothing without the cross. Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to Jerusalem when he was 40 days old to fulfill the law, to offer a sacrifice, and to offer this firstborn child up to the Lord as holy. But some 30 years later, Jesus Christ himself would return to Jerusalem. He would return to fulfill the law. He would come to offer a sacrifice, but not an ox, not a bull, not a couple of birds, but his very own body. It was to fill the law of the Lord that we all break every single day of our lives. Because every single day of our lives, we live in open rebellion against him but God proved his love for the world, that he sent his only son into the world, the thing that we celebrate today. He sent this frail little baby into the world so that he would grow up, live a sinless life, so that we who put our faith in him will not perish but inherit eternal life. That's the gospel. God did not send his son to condemn the world, but to save it, to redeem it, to pay the price that we couldn't pay ourselves. And friends, I don't know where you are today. For the first time, for the millionth time, look to Christ in faith. Look to him as the salvation, the consolation, and the redemption that the world has been waiting for that has been freely offered to you through faith. Because Christ is the one who binds up the broken hearts He is the one who comforts us this holiday season when our lives don't look the way we want them to. He is the one that gives us perfect peace when we put our trust in him. And he keeps us in that perfect peace from the moment we put our faith in him throughout the rest of our lives and until the day that he either calls us home or comes himself. Because friends, it does feel relief there is a relief on my shoulders knowing that one day I can say, Lord, you are now permitting your servant to depart in peace. And it's only that peace that we have through Christ who came as a baby, who grew up, and who died on a cross. It's the only thing we have. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come and celebrate the fact that your son made his way into a manger with a virgin mom and a dad who wasn't his dad. But that he grew up and grew strong in the faith and he lived a sinless life, something that we could not do to earn a righteousness that we could not have in and of ourselves. We could never earn it. Because in our brokenness and in our sin, we needed someone to redeem us. And today we celebrate the fact that that Redeemer was in a manger. And in a few months, come April, we'll celebrate that Redeemer on the cross. But for eternity, we will celebrate that Redeemer in eternal life. Lord, we thank you and we love you. And it's in your Son's name that we pray. Amen.